Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled Wives and Husbands, Part 1. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Please note, again, to be clear, we are no longer found on Diaspora social media. Many of their servers are down. No explanation is given for this problem. Please ignore previous links to Diaspora in our older show notes. Those links originally connected that site when it was up and running. Diaspora required that you have a personal account with them to see us on their service. Again, no answers have been provided for what appears to be either a long-term outage or a permanent outage. We are still on Tumblr. Tumblr has a public page for you to see our content. An address for our Tumblr site is in our show notes. We apologize for any inconvenience this may cause. Welcome to our extended summer series titled, What We Need to Know or Reaffirm. Our summer series is sourced in 1st and 2nd Peter. Last week, in our episode titled, Submission to Authorities, Part 4, September 19th, we examined 1st Peter chapter 2, verses 24 through 25. This is the third of what Peter was saying in this scripture. Peter writes this passage very much like the three-point sermons of today in the United States, given how Peter walks us through the point he is making. He started by using an everyday example found in the two-tier social structure of Peter's day. It was about how we are to be obedient to God, how our level of service is as strong as a slave to a master. We even noticed that masters are both good and bad. Then there are slaves. Sound like anything you may be familiar with? God, our Father, is a good master. Satan is a bad master. And we are the people all over the world referred to as slaves. Correctly, we are willful bond slaves of God who willingly give such servitude to a master who we normally call God. Peter then moves to the reasoning behind his example. He demonstrates and conveys how we are fully saved once and for all time. We open this week with these comments. In this chapter, the apostle instructs wives how to behave towards their husbands and husbands how to behave towards their wives and then exhorts to various things common to all Christians, and particularly to suffer patiently for righteousness' sake, to which he encourages them from the sufferings of Christ, and the benefits resulting from them, on which he enlarges to the end 
of the chapter from the new John Gill's exposition of the entire Bible. Notice this is not a scriptural wife-beating as many do interpret this kind of language found here in the Bible as well as in many other places of the Bible. We also need to note, Peter not only speaks to married women, he also speaks to their husbands. We can see this in the full context of the opening comments of Peter here in this chapter. Scripture reads, In the same way, wives, be subject to your own husbands. Then, even if some are disobedient to the word, they will be won over without a word by the way you live, when they see your pure and reverent conduct. Let your beauty not be external, the braiding of hair and wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes, but the inner person of the heart, the lasting beauty of a gentle and tranquil spirit, which is precious in God's sight. For in the same way the holy women who hoped in God long ago adorned themselves by being subject to their husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Comment. That is Lord with a lowercase l. Continuing. You became her children when you do what is good and have no fear in doing so. Husbands, in the same way, treat your wives with consideration as the weaker partners and show them honor as fellow heirs of the grace of life. In this way, nothing will hinder your prayers. Notice those last comments in verse 7. Husbands, comma, in the same way, comma. Anyone who is a husband can now reread verses 1 through 6 to better learn their roles as husbands. Peter, obviously, is speaking to both husbands and wives with regard as to how each should be treated by the other. The first sentence in verse 7 ends with, Show them honor as fellow heirs of the grace of life. That suggests, at the very least, that women are on more of an equal footing with men instead of a totally subservient manner that many men assume and enforce in the home today. However, I am digressing. So, let us start at the beginning to fully understand what Peter is saying here. We must fully comprehend what Peter is saying. Verses 1 through 2 are one sentence in my Bible. For clarity, they read, In the same way, Wives, be subject to your own husbands. Then, even if some are disobedient to the word, they will be won over without a word by the way you live, when they see your pure and reverent conduct. Over the years, I have heard men pick and choose scripture to support the notion that women are to be beneath them, subservient, and fully obedient to them regardless the reasons. They take verse 1 out of context by only quoting, Wives, 
be subject to your own husbands. That is only a portion of what Peter actually said in verse 1. We should hold fast to the entirety of Peter's full thought, whether in verses 1 and 2 or in one verse, as it is in some Bibles. Peter speaks of a reasoning for wives being subject to their husbands. It is about the disobedient husbands to God and the Word of God. If a woman is subject, as Peter is relating, Peter says these disobedient husbands to the Word of God will be won over without a word by the way you, the wives, live. There it is. It is a living witness of a wife that brings her unbelieving, unsaved husband to the saving knowledge of God in those cases where words have become weary to listen to. In other words, the husband doesn't want to hear it. So the actions of the wife are a witness to him. So, as hard as it is to believe, leastwise in the American way of life, Just being silent can speak volumes to your spouse. Not being silent as one does in anger, but a solemn silence where one's living testimony is found in doing rather than saying anything. How you live is just as great a testimony as anything you could say. Remember, this applies to husbands and wives. It is not an excuse, as some here in America have made it, to not witness to anyone. This is not some way out of witnessing to others outside the husband and wife relationship. Nor is it a means of not witnessing to an unsaved spouse, to be clear. We can better support this way of thinking in Green's literal translation, which reads, Likewise, wives. Submitting yourselves to your own husbands, that even if any disobey the word, through the behavior of the wives, without a word they will be one, observing your pure behavior in fear. So, just what are these two verses telling us, especially married men and women? As well as subjects to princes and servants to masters, though not the same sort of subjection, but what is suitable to the relation they stand in to their husbands. From the New John Gill's exposition of the entire Bible. Of emphasis, notice how the comparative was ended in commentary, though not with the same sort of subjection but what is suitable to the relation they stand in to their husbands. We can see that as a comparative, how servants are to masters is a similar but not identical form of subjection. Nor is that portion of commentary meant literally. It is an example. This speaks more to the level of dedication to a spouse, male or female. Since Peter said this is to both husbands and wives, 
men also are to communicate this form of subjection to their unsaved, unbelieving wives, while also biblically being the head of the household. To some of you, that may sound contrary, but I can tell you, it is not. That if any obey not the word, any husband who is an unbeliever has no love for the gospel and gives no credit to it, but despises, disbelieves, and rejects it, the word of truth, of faith, of righteousness, reconciliation, and salvation. The apostle, though he includes all wives and exhorts them in general to subjection to their own husbands, yet has a particular regard to such as had unbelieving husbands and who, on that account, were scrupulous of living with them and of being in subjection to them. And therefore, as the Apostle Paul also did, he advises them to abide with them and behave well to them, using much the same argument as he does in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 16. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 16 reads, For how do you know, wife, whether you will bring your husband to salvation? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will bring your wife to salvation? Can you see this is not a wife-only or a husband-only situation? This better helps us understand what Peter really is talking about to both husbands and wives. However, he is doing this in a way that, in Peter's day, was culture-relevant. If that observation is true, how do you argue this point today in a cultural-relevant way? They also may, without the word, be won by the conversion of the wives. For though the ordinary way and means of conversion is the word, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, yet it may be sometimes done without it, or however by the agreeable conversion of professors, and so of religious wives, the hearts of such as were averse to Christianity and the gospel as unbelieving husbands may be so softened and wrought upon as to entertain a better opinion of it, and in process of time be inclined to hear and attend it, the consequence of which may prove their conversion, which is a winning of souls, and which, as it is for their good, is for the glory of Christ. For as every soul that is delivered from the power of darkness and is translated into the kingdom of Christ, is a loss to Satan. It is a gain to Christ and to his church. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. Therein is the purpose behind this discussion. This is about the husband and the wife originally not being saved by Christ. Then, as presumed by Peter, the wife 
does become saved in Christ and the husband does not. Or, the husband does become saved in Christ and the wife does not. This whole discussion is about what a believing spouse is to do when one becomes saved in Christ and the other remains in an unbelieving state. This is why Peter ended this segment of Scripture with, Husbands, in the same way. 1. Treat your wives with consideration. 2. As the weaker partners. And 3. Show them honor as fellow heirs of the grace of life. That is the first of two sentences, meaning, and we will see this when we come to it, that a saved husband with an unsaved wife is to treat his wife, noted here as the weaker partner, spiritually. This has nothing to do with capability or incapability, which is something we all exude in one way or another, male or female. It is about the biblical fact a woman will sin first, as noted in the book of Genesis. But, and again, I am getting ahead of myself. What is the meaning of the word fellow as in its use here in Scripture, where we read about how husbands are to treat their wives? For clarity, that Scripture passage read, Show them honor as fellow heirs of the grace of life. In this usage of fellow, fellow means a companion, an associate, one of the same kind, an equal, one of a pair, or of two things used together and suited to each other, one equal or like another, to suit with, to pair with, to match. What does that say about our wives? Clearly, Scripture is saying, Show them honor as a companion, one of a kind, an equal, one of a pair, or of two things used together and suited to each other, equal or like another, suited to, paired with, matched, heirs of the grace of life. In this way, nothing will hinder your prayers. How does one derive female servitude to her husband from that, especially when this applies to both men and women? I'll let you answer that for yourself. Moving on, we now read in verses 3 and 4, Let your beauty not be external, the braiding of hair and wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes, but the inner person of the heart, the lasting beauty of a gentle and tranquil spirit, which is precious in God's sight. Men who have manipulated verse 1 by only quoting, Wives, be subject to your own husbands, also manipulate verse 3 to say, Let your beauty not be external, the braiding of hair and wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. In some Bibles, like mine, the full thought, once again, spans two verses. 
Even if the full thought is related in one verse, one has to take only a part of what is really being said to make a point that is not communicated in these four verses thus far. Before looking any deeper for understanding, we can see that verse 3 is talking about the real beauty anyone should see in another, especially women. Outward beauty fades and even disappears with age. Inner beauty is not corruptible in this way. In fact, with age, inner beauty, at the very least, seems to improve in many people. Yet, with age, physical beauty most assuredly degrades as time passes. Now, notice these two verses in another translation. Of whom let it not be the outward act of braiding of hairs and of putting gold around, or of clothing, of adorning garments, but the hidden man of the heart, in the incorruptible adornment of the meek and quiet spirit, which is of great value before God. From Green's Literal Translation Notice this commentary comment of inner mankind. In the incorruptible adornment of the meek and quiet spirit, with that said, commentary reads, The apostle refers here to a propensity which exists in the heart of women to seek that which would be esteemed ornamental, or that which will appear well in the sight of others, and commend us to them. The desire of this is laid deep in human nature, and therefore, when properly regulated, is not wrong. The only question is, what is the true and appropriate ornament or adornment? What should be primarily sought as the right kind of adorning? The apostle does not condemn true ornament, nor does he condemn the desire to appear in such a way as to secure the esteem of others. God does not condemn real adornment. The universe is full of it. From Barnes' New Testament Notes Clothing is both convenient and necessary, and a decent garb, neat and modest apparel, and what is suitable to the years, rank, and quality of persons is very commendable. Nor are we to suppose that the Apostle forbids the use of what follows, but only when used in a luxurious and extravagant manner and to feed pride and vanity and encourage lasciviousness and wantonness. From the New John Keel's Exposition of the Entire Bible. So, what do we see here? It appears that which others imply strongly and incorrectly is losing its footing fast. Many men say their women should not have nice clothing and look nice when out of the house, especially in these modern times. They pick and choose scripture elements completely out of context to form their opinion of dominion. We can see here, really quickly, that is not supported here in scripture. 
It is only when external additions to our own God-given appearance is used in a luxurious and extravagant manner to feed pride and vanity and encourage lasciviousness and wantonness that physical attributes to human comeliness is a problem. God meant that this should be a beautiful world, that it should appear well, that there should be something more than mere utility. The true notion of ornament or adorning is that which will make any person or thing appear well or beautiful to others, and the apostle does not prohibit that which would have this effect in the wife. The grand thing which she was to seek was not that which is merely external, but that which is internal and which God regards as of so great value. The apostle does not say that she should wholly neglect her personal appearance, for she has no more right to be offensive to her husband by neglecting her personal appearance than by a finical attention to it. Religion promotes neatness and cleanliness and a proper attention to our external appearance according to our circumstances in life, as certainly as it does to the internal virtue of the soul. We are to desire a richer and more permanent adorning, that of the heart. From Barnes' New Testament Notes Notice that last sentence in Barnes' New Testament Notes. We are to desire a richer and more permanent adorning, that of the heart. The suggestion here, at the very least, is that even though our inner being, our heart, is already a beautiful thing, we should desire that beauty to be richer and a more permanent adorning. How do we do that? We allow God to work in us by His Holy Spirit to not only renew our heart, but to make it a more richer and more permanent adorning of all things spiritual. But let it be the hidden man of the heart. The word hidden means that which is concealed, that which is not made apparent by the dress or by ornament. It lies within pertaining to the affections of the soul, in that which is not corruptible, properly, in the incorruptible ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. This is said to be incorruptible in contradistinction to gold and apparel. They will decay, but the internal ornament is ever enduring. The sense is that whatever pertains to outward decoration however beautiful and costly, is fading, but that which pertains to the soul is enduring. As the soul is immortal, so all that tends to adorn that will be immortal too. As the body is mortal, so all with which it can be invested is decaying and will soon be destroyed. From Barnes' New Testament Notes can we therefore conclude this passage is about men subjugating wives to their complete control and rule? Only if we take portions of Scripture out of context and form an opinion from Scripture portions 
only fit what we are using Scripture to build with regard to our opinion. That is hugely shallow and inconsistent with what it is spiritually and scripturally proper. Out of context, we could say Scripture says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands. Let your beauty not be external, the braiding of hair and wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. However, as you can see now, this is a grave misconception derived from piecing together Scripture into something it never said. Next week, our episode is titled, Wives and Husbands, Part 2. We will finish this portion of Scripture with the point that Peter is making by his comments. Are women really supposed to be subservient to their husbands? Or is there a far greater equal footing women are supposed to have? Play or download next week's episode from one of our podcast hosts. Or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. Also, please check our show notes for links to our website and other information you would want to know. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sunday's U.S. East Coast time zone. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Our website is located at this address, unchurched.site123.me. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts 
and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.